Welcome, 615 Sessions podcast, a, uh, a cast of characters that is fresh off the practice field, fresh off of, uh, fresh off of Mike Vrabel, Venom and Spite, and all of the Tom Brady questions. How are we living, boys? Joe Rexro, Teron Davenport, The Athletic, 1025 The Game, ESPN.com is where you can read them. What's going on? What's going on, man? It's good to finally be back up on here talking a little shizop. <laughs> <laughs> it has been too long. Rex is rocking his Callahan Auto Parts shirt. He didn't think I'd get the joke, but I'm in on it, baby. I got it. I'm so proud of you. I thought you only had a soft spot for Caleb Farley, but also for Chris Farley. Oh, well, How about I have, that? I have no spot. I have no no spots of any kind for Caleb Farley, considering that he doesn't play, but I understand. I rebuke that. <laughs> there you go in the name of jesus from above no caleb farley again for the titans so that seems an easy place to start huh injuries no julio jones no aj brown no bud dupree no Lorel murchison no caleb farley among others uh it sounds like they're gonna see um they're gonna see our guy sharif finch called up from the practice squad yeah. and anthony ferkser will make a return. Uh, Teron, I'll start with you. I mean, we've spent so much time talking about the depth of this wide receiver core. Do you think that these guys are ready to perform in the absence of the two top-tier dudes? I absolutely think they're ready. And in talking to Josh Reynolds the other day, it really seemed like he was someone that is just chomping at the bit to get back in here and, and do what he needs to do. I mean, end of the day, he signed a one-year deal. And with that one-year deal, that was like to showcase so he could get an opportunity to show what he could do and to spin that into a bigger contract. So no doubt, Josh Reynolds is ready to step up. I, I look at some of the other guys too, Westbrook and Kenny, Rex Rule, that's your guy. So you look at him and Cam Batson, Chester Rogers working the slot position. It, it's going to be a good opportunity for all of these guys. And, you know, next man up, that's the mindset in that building. Uh, you forgot your Nick Westbrook Aquina button in Seattle. You forgot it on Sunday against the Colts. But when we all travel to the Meadowlands this weekend, I expect you to be wearing it uh, in, in clear and obvious fashion for the New York media. Yeah, no, I think that would go over well. Um, I'll have it in my bag. How about that? Okay. And like, if he makes a play, I'll put it on for like a minute. And then is that okay? Then I hide it for a little Just bit. Just long right? enough for me to return the favor of, of the grimace joke that I had to construct for you. <laughs> but it was worthwhile, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You know, listen, I'm not all that concerned, honestly, about the receivers. I agree with TD, and I think Ferks are coming back is a big deal. You know, we'll see on Marcus Johnson. I think that would be huge. Uh, but, look, West, Westbrook Akina has shown as he, that he can do the job. Cam Batson can make plays. Um, you know, and, and I do – I agree on Reynolds. I just that, – that guy, if there's anybody in that building, I think, who has something to prove this week, it's him. I mean, yeah. my, my concern much, much more for this team is, is on the outside, so to speak, on defense at that linebacker spot where, like, you're looking at Finch three and who the heck knows four. I guess Rashawn Evans moving outside. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're perilously thin at, at the, uh, on the edges. And really, I mean, they're, they've, been, they've been really great in the secondary so far, Christian Fulton in particular. I know you both have written and talked about that at great length as as we all have because he's been really the the shining spot on a defense that's played really really well so far but they're they've been winning these games uh you know in in part due to their offense and certainly Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter in overtime in Seattle but I mean they've been getting pressure they've been pressuring quarterbacks 
with regularity. And now once, even though it's only the fourth game of the season, they run the risk of, of, you know, losing some of that ability. Now it helps that they go against a wretched, just absolutely awful Jets offensive line. But just, just to kind of stick with the offense for a second. I mean, this is a, this is a good Jets defense, even without Marcus May, they are tops in the NFL through three weeks in red zone defense. And they have a, a, a stout front seven with some names that maybe some people would remember CJ Mosley, Quinn and Williams, but a lot of guys who've been making plays as role players are about six deep when you watch them off the defensive line, I guess, Rex, where, where do you think the game plan kind of leads them? Do you think they change much of what they're doing or is it still Derrick Henry full speed ahead into a nine man box? I mean, I'd love to see just some quick passing early in this game, just get the ball out quickly, use Ferks or, um, you know, use, I mean, use Chester Rogers, just get the, do a little bit of pass to run and loosen it up a little bit, soften it up a little bit. I mean, look, either way, um, I think the Jets are very good up front, and I think they're going to make it tough on Derrick Henry. I just think early in games, defenses are so amped up, and that's when he takes his hardest hits too, right? Those guys have all their energy, and they want to lay a hit on him. Like, you know, give him a, a couple of, you know, a little, little, little dodge and jab a little bit here. You know, I, I would like to see a little bit of that to mix it up. I understand it's the Titans' identity. It's at some point in this game going to, going to be obvious it's their identity. But that's what I'd like to see, a, a little bit of short passing, get the ball out quickly. Because the long developing play action stuff, too, you know, obviously that can be very effective. But it's also gotten Tannehill hit uh, at least once, like, cleanly in, like, every game. So i just like to see him get the ball out of his hands fast. I just think Ferkser is, again, just uh, a, a bit of a game changer here for this offense, potentially. I mean, Tannehill has had a great thing with him all along. I think he's so much better than the other tight ends in this offense as a receiver. Well, he's not as versatile across the board, apparently, in their opinion, as Jeff Swaim is, but we've seen the limitations of Jeff Swaim as a pass catcher. And we know that even when Jonna was here, that he was, Berkser was the better pass catching option as a tight end. And as evidenced in New England with Jonna having a, a bit of a drop situation last week for the Patriots. TD, Whiteboard Wednesday is always a staple among the Titans fan base among the Titans community. How, how have you diagrammed for the Titans to be able to take advantage of some matchups in New York this weekend? Well, really, we'll flip it to the defensive side. And when you're going against a rookie quarterback, it's all about giving them two different pitchers, right? You want him to see one thing pre-snap, and that's an opportunity to get him to predetermine where he's going with the football. And when you have a guy like Corey Davis, who is pretty much the only option in the passing game, you're going to lock on to him. So what you could do is just kind of fool him, give him – and the whiteboard Wednesday, what I did, I, I gave a pre-snap cover two look, and then what I had them do was roll into a cover three with a robber underneath. So you're pretty much telling Zach Wilson, hey, this is going to be open because you also in – that, in that look, I have David Long blitzing that interior gap. So instantly what ends up happening is Corey Davis goes hot because when you're blitzing, you replace – where when you're going against the blitz, you replace where the blitz left. So with that, you have Kevin Byer just kind of swooping down in there as a robber to get that interception. And it's just basically just like a, a bait and switch. You know, you show him one thing and you give him something else and that leads to an interception. Yeah, you isolate and eliminate Corey Davis basically to neutralize the Jets passing attack and to try and get Zach Wilson to make some of these, some more of these mistakes that, you know, any rookie quarterback 
understandably would make when you have one one wide receiver, one legitimate wide receiving option that's been healthy consistently in Corey in a and a difficult proposition with the offensive line. I, I guess, you know, more than anything, guys, I I we we talk it's been related a lot, at least on on the radio show that I'm doing and in, in the interaction that I've seen on social media. A lot of people are relating this back to last year's Bengals game which was at the start of November. It felt like the Titans ought to be able to go in and handle a, a poor Bengals team with with, de- with decent efficiency. And in fact, it was quite the opposite. It was, one of the, it was one of the poorest performances that we had seen by a bad defense last year against Joe Burrow, and they were able to capitalize and get the win. Now, obviously, we saw Vic Beasley and Jonathan Joseph immediately get cut after that, Tehran. But do you, do you – I mean, I think we're all in consensus and feeling pretty comfortable – that the Titans are better than the Jets. I just don't necessarily know why why people outside of our media scope are not taking this New York team seriously on defense with all of the lack of options or lesser options that the Titans have across the board on offense. Well, here's the thing. 46 to 3, that is the deficit in the first half that this Jets team has had. And and when you're 0 and 3, and you're a team that's just used to lose, and I understand they have a new coaching staff, but when you're used to losing, that's what they that's what the Jets have done over the last X amount of years. I mean, you could five years at, at the very least. So what ends up happening is if you jump on them early, it turns into that, oh, here we go again type of mindset, and you could put them away. And that's what the Titans have to do, and that's what other teams have done. And if they're able to do that with the rushing attack, now, now, mind you, this is a defensive-minded head coach, right? Robert Sala. And then you have Jeff Albrecht, the defensive coordinator. They don't want Derrick Henry to run the football down down their throat. And they're going to do everything they can to stop that. So what are you going to see? Eight-man box? You run against that eight-man box, and you destroy that eight-man box, which is what Henry does so well. And that just really just, just puts the team away. So I think it, it, it's one of those deals where, yeah, they're they're clearly a better team, but at the same time, they're a, a, a team, the Titans, that is. They're a team that, that has to make that clear right from the start. So this way, it's it's just established, and, and you can put them away. And that's been the bane of the Titans' existence, right? Three straight right. games, three three and outs to start their first offensive series. In fact, it was the only time that they punted against the Indianapolis Colts was after their opening offensive drive. Starting fast is not something that comes easy to the Tennessee Titans, Rex Road. Well, and if you want to take it to the Cincy game last year, I, I, I have no I, – I can't prove this, but I think that game may have gone differently had Tannehill not thrown that really bad pick in the red zone yeah. because the Bengals were also a fragile team at that point, and if you get up on them, it changes the dynamic of the game. That was a big early mistake, and then the Titans are chasing that game. Dude, Derrick Henry goes for like 250 that day. If it's like an even game or they're ahead, I mean, it, he could have done whatever he wanted, but you know they couldn't play their game and – and obviously the, the pass rush and all the defensive issues, just like you said, Buck, I mean, it, you know, it was very clear that day that some people couldn't be playing anymore for this defense. So I do see some parallels. Uh, and I agree with TD. It's like, you know, get, get on these guys early and, and maybe with a, with forcing your own turbo turnover, by the way, like from what I can tell, I think practice may have been only turnover drills, like on both yeah. sides of the ball this week. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, the problem there is, like, if you focus too much on ripping the ball out, sometimes you don't make the tackle. But, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. They can't sustain minus six um, moving forward at that kind of rate and keep winning. 
Well, and the only team that's worse than them as far as turnover differential, the Jets, the Jets at minus five are right above them, and the Jags at minus eight are right below them, or at least as of uh, pre-Thursday night football. Trevor Lawrence played an incredibly clean and efficient game last night. I think it's the best game that we've seen from him so far as a, as a young pro. Let, let's, let's wrap this up talking about Jacksonville quickly. Um, because, You're looking ahead to the jet or the Jags book. Well, I am. Well, actually, you know what? No, well, we'll save it for next week because I got a bone to pick with you. You're fighting with me on Twitter about one specific term that I used. It seems like a week ago, the load management fight, the war that was on social media. You're trying to rally people to your cause. Nobody understands why you're nitpicking the way that you are. And yes, it has devolved since uh, Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts when we were simply told that they're just trying to keep Julio, keep Julio fresh, trying to make sure that they maintain. And then it turns into tightness and tightness turns into a hammy and hammy turns into out on Sunday. State your case, Rex wrote. Why don't I have a case to state? You now have an apology to make. It was an injury all along. It wasn't load management. So all you have to do is apologize and we can move on from this. Um, I will not do that because I feel like that would not be as productive as, as screaming at one another. But for the sake <laughs> of Teron Davenport's time, I will say that I concede that just because the Titans didn't report an injury in real time doesn't necessarily mean that Julio Jones wasn't injured. That was a, uh, that was a weird situation over the, over the course of this week, TD. Yeah, it was weird. And I, even after the game, when I asked Coach about that, I mean, I just want to know, like, was he available or not? You know, and he kind of danced around that as well. And here it was, he actually wasn't available. And it can kind of be a hybrid of the two, right? Load management as well as an injury. Whereas, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the cusp of pulling a hamstring, but let me tell you, if you're even close to it, you do not want to go. You know what I mean? So even if it wasn't an actual pulled hamstring, and they were just like, hey, let's scale you back. And also, remember, it was, it was kind of hot that day, too. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got the fluids coming out and everything. You're sweating. And that hamstring is nothing to play with. So I, I think it's kind of a hybrid, a combination of the two, because as a cautionary thing, I would imagine they pulled him out. But then, obviously, there was something there to that was possibly tweaked. And, Buck, I like the video that you posted where he had kind of like that little giddy-up during uh, our warm-ups and I, I just wish you had told me that because then we could have watched and you can always tell when a guy has a hamstring thing because after he's running you see him like just kind of reach in the back and you're, you're touching it and you're just trying to make sure that that is cool because you, you could feel like you could feel that thing ready to go at, at, at any point so it just kind of got worse and worse and, and now we're in a situation where we didn't even see him on the field we didn't even see him at all this week, and, and here we are. Nick Westbrook, McKinney, and Josh Reynolds are the starting outside receivers, or, or if Cam Batson is in there. Uh, so it sounds like Teron is saying that you also owe me a po- an apology, Rex. Uh, since I've apologized <laughs> to you, it's a combination of both. You may, you may, uh, you may uh, go ahead and let the people know that uh, you're sorry. No, listen. I, I heard you pulled your hamstring paying the pizza driver. So I, I, that's all. I the know. last time I pulled, the last time I was even athletic enough to be in a position to pull a hamstring uh, was a long time ago, and it probably did involve like running after pizza or trying to make sure that I was getting pizza, something to that effect. Putting the banana suit on. Hey, yeah. before you wrap up, I do want to ask you guys, you know, because this was the hot thing today with Dupree. Yeah. Where, where do you think this is going 
you know, with Bud Dupree, um, not, you know, not being available two weeks in a row, very, you could say early. I mean, he, he tore the ACL in December. I mean, he, he was on a, I guess an accelerated timeline. I can't imagine the Titans, like, like anyone ignoring what anyone on the medical side would say about that, but I don't know. How concerned are you guys? And what do you, what do you think that means? Uh, TD, I'll, I'll, all I'll say about it, and then I'll let you go from there, is that there's just he's they're they're running those outside linebackers into the ground with the amount of snaps that they play the top two, and and for them to come out in September, the way that they did with Bud, I thought it was admirable. I'm also looking at it like uh, not not everybody is Jeff Simmons. It's it, and it, in fact, it's a shorter timeline for Dupree back on December the second, if I recall. Um, tearing his ACL against the Ravens, it just it seems like they could they could afford to go lighter and not have to divert so far from their game plan. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you compare it to Jeffrey Simmons because there is there is a comparison to be made there. But you also got to remember at that position, that outside linebacker position. I mean, you're planting on that on that leg and your corner and, and turning and accelerating off of it. So. That's definitely something that's putting a little bit more demand on it. And Mike Vrabel has said it multiple times that it's about the recovery, right? Like how that knee is bouncing back from games, from practice, and those type of things. And I think that's where the, where the hang-up is. And you guys have seen him pregame running. It's, it, it doesn't look good, right? Like it's very clear yeah. that he's favoring that leg. And I remember watching him before the Colts game last week, and I said to myself, like, I don't think this guy should go. You know, and, and sure enough, he didn't play. So it's just one of those things where you just got to kind of manage the situation. And, and just the more he distances himself away from that surgery, from that procedure and everything, the better. And you look at these ACLs. I mean, typically, you know, God, thank God I never had to deal with that. But typically, you know, that's something in, in after you're away from it for a full year, like in year two, that's when the, the recovery and, and just bounce back is typically there. So this doesn't really surprise me. Teron Davenport, ESPN 102.5, talking with TD, the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Rex Road, 102.5, the game. Robbie and Rex Road, theathletic.com. Well worth your subscription. We are always available, unlike Bud Dupree, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and whomever else. Uh, it's good to be able to catch up, boys. I feel I feel like I, f- I I almost miss Rex Road. I miss Teron, but I almost miss Rex Road. I feel like I I feel like I've been missing so much over the course of the last couple of weeks. Hey, the good thing is you're driving me to the game Sunday from Manhattan, so get excited. Well, you know, don't you forget just, if you just happen to be, if you just happen to be sitting outside somewhere with a with a briefcase waiting to go to the game and nobody arrives, just know it was on purpose. Yeah, my briefcase and tuxedo. <laughs> Goodbye, boys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, man. See you.